Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host today, Amy Hills, and my day job is as the Director of Strategy, Government and Industry with Tourism Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and tourism professionals. It's an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for tourism in our beautiful state. And this episode is supported by the Tasmanian Government. It's part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight through the COVID-19 emergency to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and developments as they relate to our industry, but also the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal governments and the industry authorities. Over the past few series, we've been catching up with different operators and business owners to hear their stories of how they've managed through COVID-19, what they're up to, what they're doing now and how they're preparing for the future. Today, I'm talking with Gary and Lorraine Ashdown, who are owner-operators of Ashdowns of Dover, a bed and breakfast in Tasmania's far south. Welcome, Gary and Lorraine. Thank you. Good morning. Hi, Amy. Hey, both. Um, Look, for those of us who don't know you and don't know your business, can you outline, perhaps starting with with you, Lorraine, what, what do you offer down in Dover? So we're a three-bedroom uh, bed and breakfast, and it's a traditional setup in that we live on site uh, in the house, and we have the three rooms that are all en suite, and we offer a, uh, a cooked breakfast, which Gary deliciously prepares because he's much better at these things than I am. So um, so it's, it's, a, it's a traditional model, but we have updated the rooms, so the rooms are very uh, modern with what a, uh, a, a current traveller would expect, so uh, en suite, mini bars. Um, you know, tastefully decorated. So mm. it's, it's um, yeah, it seems to work for us. Now, Gary, prior to COVID-19, um, you, you guys had got a, a bit of national recognition and that's a bit of an understatement, but take us through how you were travelling prior to COVID-19. Well, we were doing quite well. You know, it'd been a very good season. Um, we, the slow build-up, it was on the back of last year's bushfires, but we'd had a good run-up to the season and everything was going well. We entered all the you know the awards again and we were very lucky to be announced winners of the Tasmanian Tourism Awards in the hosted accommodation which then automatically put us into the national awards and um so there was that back in you know some while ago now um we went up to Canberra and we were amazed to be uh, named um the winner so we uh, won the national award which was amazing and that was only in February, to be fair. <laughs> it it yes. feels like a lot of time has since passed, but it really wasn't that far far away, was it? No. I mean, it was like we were on this huge high. We come back from Canberra and we had a fair few bookings and we looked after that. And then a week after the awards, we were heavily involved in um, the Dover Sea Fest, um, which uh, a group of us down here run, which is a, and that was March 15th. And then just a few days, less than a week later, um, we were closed. So mm. we went from this huge high, very busy, to closed. And it was quite a shock. Lorraine, was it as essentially that, that, that immediate for you? It really was. I mean, we were 
the awards actually, Amy, were on the um, the eighth of March. Um, that's going to be burned into my head uh, forever because we were so amazed and so excited to have won. So we were on such a high um, because it really did surprise us. And uh, literally less than three weeks later, to be closed and empty. And we just thought, well, like we hadn't even come down from that high, and we thought there's we can't even leverage off this now mm. because there's no bookings uh, in the system. We had to cancel every single booking, so there's there's nothing on the books for the foreseeable future. Okay, so take me through that then. What so you've had? I don't know, maybe five, six weeks. What has been your journey? What have you done? Um, what have you tried to, I guess, um, put into the mix to make sure that you can come out the other side um, when uh, we are able? Well, uh, Gary is a doer. He doesn't like to sit still. He always likes to have a project on the go. So he's been using this time to uh, to do maintenance on the house. Um, he's also been working in the garden to, to get that ready. We've got a large vegetable garden because we like to, to produce food for our guests. Um, We've taken the opportunity to, well, Gary's actually been cooking up a storm in the kitchen. I think we, he's created and made more jellies and jams and pickles and pastes than you can poke a stick out. We're not quite sure what we're going to do with them. <laughs> we would normally sell them to guests. Yeah. Um, but um, so that's been keeping him busy. We've, you know, but I've been doing some things behind the scenes. That's more what I do. I'm, I'm the behind the scenes person in the operation. Gary's very much front of house. So I've been um dealing with our website um, hosting yep. people to try and get the website up to scratch, like get all the code behind the scenes updated, um, get the text and the, the images updated. And because I've got time on my hands now, I've actually been doing a lot more social media posting just so that people don't forget us really and so that when when this is over and, and we are able to open, we're kind of on the front foot ready, ready to go. Mm. So I can imagine that... Well, I know for sure that our marketing budget is is going to be um, next to zero <laughs> at the end of all of this. So to us, um, Facebook and social media advertising is probably our most cost-effective way of being able to get, get ourselves back out there and back into people's consciousness. Mm. And what types of stories and, and images or snapshots are you sharing with people right now? Well, a lot of it is uh, the um, the jam making, yep. um, and uh, and just trying to set a scene for people so that they can see uh, what they can expect when they get here. So, I mean, to to sort of you know put up a photo of just a bedroom is is a bit dull and a bit uh, uninspiring. So we're we're trying to create an atmosphere. So during you know all the apple apple picking season, we've got all our apple trees here. So you know we created stories around. Um, picking the apples, and um, we've tried our hand at making cider, which might be a disaster, but we've, <laughs> we've given it a go, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, and just yeah, like all the all the cooking that has been done, and just trying to yeah give people an idea of what it would be like if they came here and putting themselves into the picture, mm, I guess. Yeah. And I've, I've just finished a podcast with um, a social media expert who has been sort of giving tips on exactly that, in that um, you can sort of create the type of dreaming atmosphere for when people are able to to come back. Now, Gary, how have you navigated, I guess, uh, JobKeeper and, and the forms of assistance? Because I assume uh, that's been difficult being sort of on your own, essentially? Well, I've cheated. Lorraine's done a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as a sole trader, um, we were able to uh, sign up for JobKeeper. So we've taken already taken advantage of the first two and a half thousand dollar 
uh, grant that was very helpful. And we're going through the process of JobKeeper, who I think opens up the next phase today. Yes. And we should be good for that. And we've also um, hopefully going to take advantage of a government um, interest-free loan that was offered. And if that comes through, we're going to extend part of the business. So when we do reopen, the, the place will be uh, even better for guests than it currently is. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to use this downtime to right invest in the future. Now, tell me, I also know that you've really taken this time to come together uh, as a as an industry in your area to support those around you. Can, can I guess, Gary or Lorraine, tell me a little bit about why you did that and what you did. We've got two very active groups down here. So we've got our local LTA, the Far South Tourism um, Association for Tasmania, and there's a lot of crossover between um, members in that group and also a community group called the Dover and South Action Group. And that's a group um, that puts on Dover Sea Fest and we have a a Christmas party for the community. And so it's kind of a um, a mixture of um, uh, tourism uh, operators and providers trying to generate interest for people to come and visit the town, but it's also a, a philanthropic um, enterprise as well to help people in the community. So um, when so many people came, like people were coming back from overseas and they had to quarantine and um, couldn't get out to shops and things like that, we thought we would just do up some food hampers to be able to, you know, deliver to people to help them out. And we do have a regular food bank down here for people who can't, um, who are struggling financially. So with so many businesses closed down and so many people stood down from their jobs, there's just, you know, so many people now in the community who are struggling financially. So we we started off with food hampers and delivering food to people. And then we also realised that there was just a lot of people who probably needed just a bit of a, a pick-me-up and something to cheer them up um, rather than an actual food hamper. So we, we started purchasing gift vouchers from local cafes and restaurants that are still open and uh, and purchasing, you know, ceramics and soaps and things like that from ha- handmade, you know, local artisans and things like that and putting together gift packs just so we could drop them off to, to people who now found themselves on zero income and feeling pretty down and basically just sending out a card saying, you know, we've got your back and we support you and understand what you're going through, that it's a tough time and, and we'll be here for you, you know, when, when things pick up again. So it's it's had some really nice feedback mm. and it helps to bring the town together in some way. What's What has the response been? What, how has the town come together? Well, it's it's hard to come together when you have you to socially isolate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've just, I mean, people have dropped us a line. We have a, um, the Dover and South Action Group has its own Facebook page and people have been sending us messages and, mm. and, and thank you cards and things like that. And, and pe- just people in the community, when you when you do, you know, pass them in the supermarket at 1.5 metres away from each other, do make a mention of, you know, people are talking about it. So it just, it just makes people feel a little bit better, really. So mm. that's that's the best we can hope for. Now, take me to preparations um, for when uh, it is safe to to start uh, reopening again. Um, and we've we've talked here on on these podcasts, especially with the premier around possibly the interstate market being the first, obviously safe avenue for us. Um, are you going to be taking advantage of that and how are you preparing to take advantage of that? We have been preparing. We've been thinking about it in policies and procedures that would allow us to reopen without putting anybody at great risk. We've, we're only a small business and it's, it is it is 
quite easy to socially sort of maybe isolate guests slightly. You know, we're, we've got three individual rooms. The, you know, the only communal areas really are the breakfast room and the lounge. So, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be too hard to just stagger people to do that. Um, so we've been giving it thought endless, you know, sort of just preparation and thought about how we can reopen as and when we're allowed to. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll also, we will be taking up the, you know, interstate is definitely a market that is growing for us on the back of um, the last two Tasmanian Tourism Award wins. So that's that's increased our visibility, I guess, in the Tasmanian market quite a bit. So we've seen an increase in local uh, visitors coming to us and, and we've also seen an increase in our word of mouth referrals. So we definitely, definitely will be pushing for interstate travel and I think people will be quite keen to um, to get out of their isolated bubbles and to explore a little bit more of the state. And as we saw on the back of the bushfires, Tasmanians are very, very keen to help and support their fellow Tasmanians. Mm, absolutely. And on that note, Lorraine, you and I were talking about this a little bit in preparation for this yesterday. Do you remain optimistic for the future of our industry, even though we're going through uh, this incredibly challenging time now. Uh, I absolutely am positive that the tourism industry will rebound from this. Uh, I think travel is an insatiable need for a lot of people. Um, So there'll always be people who want to travel. Um, It will be a slow rebound. I I do not see the industry just snapping back like like an elastic band to where it was before uh, COVID. I think it will be a slow build up as we're allowed to move around more, but there'll also be things where, you know, there's not so many airlines perhaps, you know, operating in the future around the world. And so maybe travel will become a bit more of a luxury rather than, you know, like a, a as easily accessible as it was before. But it will gradually rebuild to, to what it was, but it just, it, I think it'll just be a slow, a slow climb to it. Mm. And Gary, you're positive about your business's place in that, in that future? Yes. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm sort of quite positive naturally, but it's sort of, I, I am, I, I think we'll bounce back. It'll build, it'll build slowly. You know, it's sort of all the people that would have traveled overseas are going to holiday at home this year. You know, all the people that may have taken a cruise trip, you know, will think, you know, about staying in, you know, within Tasmania or Australia. So I think we will be okay. It's going to be slow, but we'll get there. On that note, thank you both. Thank you for talking with us. You've certainly had your fair share of, of challenges with bushfires in that area and, and now COVID-19, but um, your positivity is is uh, is catching. And thank you for being with us and best of luck with everything. Thanks, Amy. You're very welcome. Thank you. Now I'm speaking with Simon McDermott, who is the Managing Director of McDermott's Coaches. And we're going to be talking to him as we as we have done with Gary and Lorraine from Ashdowns in Dover around how he's managed through the COVID-19 emergency. What has he done? What preparations has he done for the future? And just some sharing around how he has managed with 60-odd uh, staff on the book. So welcome, Simon. How are you? Good. How are you going? Yeah, really well, thanks. Um a bit of an interesting time at the moment, but uh, we, we're ticking along okay and uh, just waiting for a uh, date we can start operating again, I guess, mm. at the moment. Simon, for those who may not be familiar with uh, your business and your family's business, can you take us through what you do, what you're operating in? And it's quite diversified, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, my parents, Peter and Joan McDermott, started the business in the uh, 
early 80s, I guess, being part of the tourism industry in the west coast of Tasmania for a long time. And they moved to Launceston and, and started McDermott Coaches, as it is today. Um, that consisted of a few school runs and a little bit of charter work, and it's, it's grown from there. Um, I grew up in the business. Uh, family holidays were off uh, looking at school buses and charter buses and those sorts of things. And then uh, I went off and got into the uh, shipping game for about eight years and uh, in 2008 I joined the family business and have been managing it since 2012. Uh, we run the Cradle Mountain Shuttle Service, we run Tour and Charter um, all around Tasmania and as far north as Darwin uh, and as far west as Perth um, through our contract with Australian Scenic and Evergreen Tours. Uh, we do day tours out of Launceston and a number of other things. We also run a, a travel club, which has about 2,000 local members out of, out of northern Tasmania. And last year I launched my project, which is called Our Cradle, which is a 62-room hotel at Cradle Mountain, which luckily is not half out of the ground at the moment, but a little bit disappointed that it's not uh, a little bit further than it should be at this point in time. But them's the breaks. So. I guess that's that's us in a in a nutshell. What are the predominantly the markets prior to COVID nineteen that you were your business was serving? Is it is it a, a broad cross section? Yeah, very much so. So obviously our travel club is very much interstate market uh, and very much focused on northern Tasmania. Uh, our day tour and Cradle Mountain tour market is both interest, uh, interstate and uh, international markets. Cradle Shuttle Service obviously caters to basically everyone that comes to Tasmania. And our tour and charter market uh, is probably half and half mm. within uh, international and uh, interstate markets. So uh, fairly wide demographic but um, it's basically stopped completely yeah. at the moment yeah. and we were across talk- all those markets. Yeah, so. and, and can you take us through that? Because when we were talking prior to the podcast, you were mentioning that it um, you pretty much lost all those bookings um, from a forward perspective as well. Yeah, very much so. So basically as soon as the travel restrictions came in, uh, this federal government as everyone knows, brought the restrictions in two weeks quarantine into anyone travelling into Australia. As soon as that happened, within six hours, we'd lost every forward booking we had on the books right through to December, uh, which was a a pretty devastating day for us and Mm. probably everyone else in Tasmanian tourism as well. So um, it's it's been a a bit of a slog getting back from that, but uh, we try to look at that as our our darkest day and we can only move forward from mm. from there on. Yeah. So take us through that for those listening. You, you have that day where, you you know, you, you're at ground zero essentially. Um, what do you do from there? What did you do? What have you done since to try and put your business in the best possible uh, position for what might come in the future? Well, I, I guess the, the first thing was to work out what we did with our staff, as you, as you said in the intro, we've got 60 staff on the books and, and a number of vehicles. Um, we just invested around $5 million in the last three years in infrastructure around vehicles for our business. Um, so I think my first priorities were um, looking at how do I talk to my banks and the guys that are giving me debt finance and how do I get that part sorted, which happened relatively quickly. Then it was moving on to my staff and 
who I need to keep on the books and who I unfortunately have to stand down, which was a, a very difficult time for us. But we've we've worked through that, and now the JobKeeper payments have come through, which is it just helped uh, immensely. Uh, I guess it's now looking forward to what we can do coming out of this and how we make that work for different parts of our business uh, being so diverse. Obviously, the international market is a little way off, um, mm. but the interstate market is is the thing we're looking at at the moment, which is not something we, we focus on um, really to a, a massive degree. So that's a, a bit of a learning curve for the staff at the moment, but uh, we've only had to stand down, I think, five or six staff at the moment. Uh, the rest are on either reduced hours or uh, work casuals, um, but we were lucky enough to get the job keeper. So mm. that's sort of helped us out a little bit that way. Mm. Um, but so, I, I guess at the moment we've got nowhere to go until we get that uh, that date we can start operating again. So with with that staffing group then, you, you mentioned that they're on job keeper. What types of things, what meaningful work are you giving them now to just for those listening, um, to I guess, what can they be doing now to, to help better the business? Yeah, well, I guess it depends on the size of your business and where you're at and those sorts of things. Obviously, we've we've had enormous growth over the last seven or eight years, and a lot of lot of businesses in Tasmania have had that that growth as well. So I guess it's time to take a breath and really look at how your business is structured and those staff that you utilise there, what they can do to help you. And and looking at it from my point of view, who has worked every day for the last seven or eight years. Um, how how those staff that you've slowly got around you over that time can can help you out. Uh, we've also been working on our new website. We've been looking at some internal processes um, and really looking at what our business costs us to run and what, what costs we can cut over this time and what costs will need to be there. And I think that's what people really need to look at at the moment is what your business actually costs you to run and where you can cut cut costs um, moving forward. Tell me a little bit about that because I know you're using this as a, as a reset in that area. Why mm-hmm. do you think that's important for businesses like yourself and others to really do in at this time? Yeah, well, I guess the last thing I want to see in, in tourism is a, is a race to the bottom in price and unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, um, we're all going to need to cut our costs to some degree, but we need to make sure that we know what our costs are and how we run our business. And especially if you're looking at cutting back staff, and, and that's something that we're all going to have to do, is is factoring in that cost of the staff moving forward so you can grow your business. And, and that's something, probably the one tip I do have for people is really look at how you're going to grow your business. Obviously, everyone's wanting to get this cash flow back in as soon as we open up again, but you don't want to um, do that to the detriment of not being able to grow your business moving forward back to obviously where it was or hopefully even better than it was um, before all this all happened. So mm. I guess that's that's the one tip I do have. Mm. And I know... Um you've sort of found that JobKeeper process, um, you, you moved through that um, 
quite, I don't know if the right word's easily, but you did find it easy to navigate? Oh, I did. Um, luckily, we have a, a very good accountant that yep. works with us. He's, he's been fantastic and that would be a piece of advice I, I give to everyone. Really get to know your accountant. If you haven't got a good one, uh, Colin's SBA uh, I know is available through the TICT. I think getting a good advice and, and someone that, that's fairly in-depth into what that JobKeeper can do for you and how, how it works, I've sort of broken it down into three separate units that basically you can use it as a, a wage subsidy. So anyone you want to keep on, basically you're getting, well, up to half their wage, may, may, depending on what you're paying people, you know. Mm. Uh, a lot of my staff, I'm, I'm basically getting half their wage for nothing. So that, that's a benefit for me at the moment. So those people you can utilise in your business, um, it's a good time to get their skills, um, their input into your business for, for half the price, really. Um, it's also a way of keeping staff that, you know, on reduced hours on the books. Um, mm-hmm. If that payment wasn't there, obviously a lot of those people would have had to be let go. And also it's a way to look after your casual staff that probably without JobKeeper would be looking at yep. the job seeker payment, which a lot of people may not be able to access, obviously through um, you know, a partner or someone else in the family earning a fairly decent sort of wage. So... I think it's a, it's a great initiative by the government, but people have got to remember that that's going to stop in September. So we've got to be prepared for what's coming at us and have your business set up, ready to go when all these things turn off. And that's what you mean when you talk about the work that you're doing now around really understanding the cost of operating the business? Yes, Is that, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously September is is the date really or within my business that um, all my debt finance turns back on, mm. my bank loans turn back on, uh, JobKeeper finishes, most probably the, the tax relief and those sorts of things finish up. So um, it's going to be back to business as usual as far as the cost to your business but probably not so much the income side of not things. Not with the throughput. And if we yeah. if we talk about that and, um, you know, obviously um, there's still many unknowns when it comes to phasing of recovery and when things will be safe to do so. So with that uncertainty, what are you doing and what can you do now to pivot to the intrastate market and then f- beyond that more of an interstate market? Can you share some of the, the work or tips you're doing there? Yeah, well, I guess... We've, we're just going through every scenario you could possibly think of yep. um, as far as limits on how many people you can have on a vehicle within our business, um, how many people you can have within a, a restaurant, how many people you can have within a, an attraction. Um, obviously, our business is transporting people to different locations in Tasmania and it's it's imperative that people know what other people in Tasmania are doing. So I guess that's that's another tip is stay stay in contact with those people that you work with mm. and work in with because um, they may decide, hey, the, the interest rate market's not going to work for us. It's not going to be profitable. We might close down until January 2021. Who knows what those other people are doing? So it's important to stay in contact with those people, especially people you rely on as that sort of 
um, conduit into, between yeah, yeah. In, into your business because um, you know there may be staffing changes. The person that you may talk to on a weekly basis may not be there anymore, unfortunately, um, or that business may not be opening up for another twelve months. So mm. um, those sorts of things are, are a lot of unknowns. But um, I guess we're just working on every scenario possible, um, which some people may say be a, might be a waste of time, but uh, in my point of view, if you can get one idea up out of a hundred, well, that's uh, that's better than nothing. So that's that's the process we're going through, and uh, it's keeping people's minds active, and we're getting some new, fresh ideas out of it as well. So yeah, that's also exciting. And f- for you, in in that transport, as you say, in that transport. Uh, sector, I, s- I suppose you're looking to how can you um, show and um, and demonstrate to your customers that um, under these new social distancing requirements, if that's what will happen going forward, that you can operate in a, in a safe way? Oh, very much so. And um, I think coming out of this will be almost the reverse of what we had coming into this and we had to bring in a number of uh, cleaning regimes, seating regimes, um, how we handled people's luggage, how mm. we cleaned the vehicles rather than being a once-a-day issue, it became a three-times-a-day um, three issue. So um, all those things will be happening on the way out. I guess this time we'll have a little bit more time to put a bit more process around those and, and train our staff in them, whereas um, coming into this, it was very much on the fly okay, mm. we have to clean the bus three times a day. you just got to go and do it, whereas now we've, we can really train our staff on how to do that and uh, make it a little bit easier for them. Mm. Simon, I know you, you've obviously talked us through, um, you know, the origins of the business you work in being a family business. What's it been like for you um, being a manager and director of the family business and, and going through this time? Uh, difficult. <laughs> um, you know, you have good days and bad days and uh, probably the last week's been the, the, the most difficult week for me, uh, I guess. Um, since mid-March, I've had a lot to do and JobKeeper and making sure my staff were right and making sure that <clears throat> the vehicle regimes were in place for our maintenance uh, and all those sorts of things. And Things had slowed down a little bit this week and I had a little bit of time to reflect and that um, sometimes becomes a little bit difficult. But um, I'm trying to look forward and positive and uh, really make something of it. And um, obviously in my role with the TICT um, and looking at the broader tourism sector rather than just my own business has has been something good to focus on. And Mm. I guess that's... um, Something people need to do. Don't don't get caught up in your own your own little bubble and feeling sorry for yourself. As much as all of us do that, um, you've got to look at the the whole of the, the world is is suffering this. Not not just um, people in individual spaces. And I know it's hard, but um, you really got to uh, look at it as a as I said, oh, as I've said to my staff a number of times, it's it's that time to flick the reset switch and and make something of of 
what the business is and those things that weren't working, well, it's time to turn those off and mm. those things that were working really ramp them up and, and look at new avenues as well. So, And just on that broader picture before we, we finish up, how do you, I mean, you've made a life in this industry as has your family. Um, mm-hmm. Looking forward, do you have positivity for the future? Oh, very much so. I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there and um, obviously it's it's going to be a hard slog back and anyone that thinks it's going to turn back on like it was probably needs to take a good hard look at what their business is. But, um, you know, I, I think within three to four years we'll bounce back and, and really have something that's a... Uh, a good industry and hopefully better than what it was. Um, but I think it's now time for anyone that's looking to step up in the industry to uh, jump up and, and make a name for themselves and, and really jump out there. And I think there's some young people in the industry that have got some great ideas and want to push forward. Obviously, no one's seen anything like this. And you, you listen to other podcasts where, you know, people that have been in the industry for, for a lot longer than I have, um, have never seen anything like this before. So it's, uh, yeah, to me, it's that real reset switch time to uh, for everyone to jump on board and turn the industry into what we all want it to be, not just what it has been or what it could be. Um, it, there's a big opportunity there to make it what we want it to be. So uh, I guess that's where I'm at at the moment and uh, hopefully we can get there. On that note, uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for, for sharing your personal experience and sharing with us about what you're doing with your, your business right now. I think it's been really insightful and really helpful. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Fantastic. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. We've heard today from another three operators who are um, managing through the COVID-19 uh, emergency. Uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.